Warning! The following episode contains mature subject matters, mentions of immigrant culture, and a Brazilian host with the energy of a chaotic vampire. Listener discretion is advised. Here with me today is a really good friend of mine, Cliff Knight. Cliff is a Toronto-based comedian. He is the host of Heat Wave Comedy, as well as the host of Dead with Laugh Comedy. And his Instagram is Cliffy So Funny. Bringing him up now. Hi, Cliff. Thank you so much for joining me. What's up, Laura? How you been? Pretty good, pretty good. Happy to include you in yet another one of my shows. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate being a regular guest in pretty much everything that you do. So Everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cliff, for the people who do not know you, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, hey, what's up? I'm Cliff. Uh, I'm a Guyanese-born comedian. I live here in downtown Toronto. Um, be doing comedy, be doing a bunch of other stuff too. Uh, Laura and I have been friends for like, what? Five, six, 13,000 years. And- Almost um, eight years actually. Yeah, okay, there we go. <laughs> and it's been pretty fun on this like entertainment journey and on. So pretty much every project uh, that we're doing, one of us ends up somewhere. So that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, um, when did you move to Canada? I moved in end of 2011. Um, mm -hmm. I left a, I left a pretty good job to come to Canada. To be honest, like I was working for a security company, and I came here and I was working in a secure, uh, sorry, a computer store. And mm -hmm. for a while, I wasn't sure it was worth it. And then I, I got my like first paycheck, um, and I was like, and it was more money than I made in two months. Um, for like a two-week paycheck and I was like oh yeah no this uh, I'm about it actually <laughs> yeah yeah in dollars too <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and at what point did you, you decide to become a comedian did you always know you wanted to do that ironically I always wanted to do it but like back home you can't just do comedy you need to like become an actor you need to be a stage actor be in the theater guild all that kind of stuff and then maybe they let you be funny uh versus mm -hmm. here uh i kind of just like randomly stumbled upon an open mic and then got invited to go do it and i did it and it was terrible and um <laughs> and then i've just been doing it ever since pretty much mm -hmm. and do you think that the comedy scene has changed in um, guyana since you've moved I think so, yeah. I've been seeing some good uh, reports that things are a little bit more open. Um, mm. It's still, of course, nothing compared to, like, the buzz that you can get here. Uh, but, like, it's a, there's a few people who can kind of, like, if you do it, you have the drive to organize something yourself, you can get it popping. Mm -hmm. What about, what about the, the, the terms of English versus language barrier? Does everybody speak English back home? Yeah, it's an English-speaking country. Like, we're mm -hmm. sandwiched in between. We're actually in the perfect, the perfectly problematic spot in, in, <laughs> in South America. We're in a perfectly problematic spot because we're sandwiched between Venezuela, Brazil, and Suriname. 
So mm. that's Spanish, Portuguese, and Dutch. And we're the English speaking. Like the, the, the corner that we're in is no one can understand each other. So yeah. it's, it's per- but like inside the city, like where I'm from, uh, pretty mm-hmm. much everybody speaks English. Some people speak Spanish and uh, you have to like go to the outskirts to find more Portuguese people. Nobody and speaks if Dutch. You, and, if you, and if you went to a comedy show in Guyana, would people be speaking English, Spanish or Dutch? No, they would be all English. It would be, it would be Creole <laughs> actually. Like it wouldn't even be an English that you could just understand. It would be like a Creolese that you had to like get it. You know, it's kind of like Patois. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. Mm, you said Patois, I just thought of Chet Hanks. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, let's see. Uh, talking about your personal background and how you got into comedy, you did not go to school for that. No. No. So, I, uh... what did you go to school for? I went to the comedy school, as in Humber College, but I went there for business administration uh, mm-hmm. and with a focus on like uh, finance and wealth management uh, because I realized that um, like I originally went to go be a musician and then I looked at the like what it took to be a musician here and I realized, nah, I like money and um, just, yeah, took my business courses, did that and then as I was finishing up business um kind of got caught up in the comedy wave and and so felt like i could apply my skills across i'm really really thankful for the way that things turned out because like i feel like if i didn't have a lot of my business uh acumen and intuition that i probably would not be where i am in comedy today yeah it definitely had an effect in the way that you conducted yourself as a comedian do do you see yourself as your business Oh, for sure. For sure. I think about, I mean, a lot of people think doing comedy is all about being funny, whereas like being funny is like not even a whole part of your it's job. It's like a prerequisite. It's a prerequisite. prerequisite. Like, yeah, you can be funny, but not everybody who's funny uh, gets what they want, you know, yeah. or, or, or organizes what they want. And I feel like my main advantage for me is the fact that I can organize, that I can plan, and that I can pivot around things that are problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, talking about your career as a comedian, um, what would you say was your pipeline from starting your first open mics to where you are right now? Um, the thing that really opened it up actually is I was talking about doing, uh, like, uh, being on an open mic at my work. I was working at just a retail store. And then a dude in the corner, he comes over. He's like, hey, you do comedy? Come do comedy at my bar. <laughs> he he drafted me. And I was Do you remember like, who it was? Oh, I 100% remember who it was. It's, he owned this bar in Kensington. It's not there anymore. But, like, uh... he, was, he was, like, looking for an event. And he, to him, I dropped into his lap. Um, <laughs> he saw you walking by and it was like, him! <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he heard me talking about doing comedy. And, uh, mm. and then he's like, yeah, come do a comedy at my bar next month, this day. 
And I was like, okay, you know what I mean? And so I organized the whole thing. I take the day off of school and work. Um, and what I started to do is I started to research how to host a show. So I spoke to, uh, yeah, I would go to shows and see who was hosting, how well they were hosting. Um, I had gotten advice from Tim Blair, uh, you know, legendary. Oh, uh, love Canadian. Tim Blair. One of the, one of the tall boys. Uh, he was probably mm -hmm. one of the first people to like, give me some pointers on how to be a host, you know, just be hospitable, you know, tell mm -hmm. your jokes if you tell your jokes, make sure you get your comics names right and figure out the timing, you know, light people and things like that. And then I was like, cool, I want to try hosting myself. And um, I was thrown on hosting Hawaii Bar back in the old school. Mm. Uh, yeah, the Rush Were you Kazi hosting the open mic or a show? No, it was open mic. And, Laughter um, Luau? Laughter Luau before the renovation. Good times. And so it was, uh, that was, and, then, and I hosted that for maybe about an hour and a half. And, and it was just, uh, it, it took so much out of me. And I realized how much energy is required to host and like even more energy required to produce so oh yeah yeah that uh, that really gave me a spark and then I, I hosted my first show and then from there I've just been producing hosting I would host for other people um, I host trivia I host birthdays all these kinds of things mm. And if you met a comedian, a young uh, newbie comedian that was just interested in getting started with hosting, what would be the pointers that you would give this comedian? My main pointer would be understand or try and look at, like, sense the flow of the audience. Like, how much energy do they have right now? How well did mm -hmm. the last comic do? How much experience is the next comic gonna have because there's there's times where the last comic did a fantastic job and your hosting skill might not be as high to kind of like bring like reset the room on that you maybe want to do a little yeah. talk maybe do one of your jokes but don't overdo it um you know is what i've noticed and 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 then just like reset the room to a certain level and then bring up your next comic you know, sometimes they do really well. They do like an even keel for the energy for the room. Bring up your next comic mm -hmm. right away. Don't waste time with your jokes. If somebody just did really badly, like whatever it is that they were trying to do didn't really work out, then you come back, you know, you do some of your A material to bring the energy back up. Do a little bit of mm -hmm. crowd work. Maybe give away some prizes if you have prizes to give away. You know, a lot of my shows, I give away, I give away fans. So that people <laughs> little bit of a, of a thing uh, to remember us by that sort of situation and then you bring up your next comic so it's like you, your host your job is not really to be that funny your job is to make sure that you know all the housekeeping's in place that the audience talks to you and not the other comics and that you push the specials on the bar that's really your job very good points very good yeah. points and now that we are done talking about comedy, we need to talk about what you are passionate about. Because we both know that's not comedy. That's just a job. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm passionate about comedy, but listen, what we're actually going to talk about today, today, mm. and, and, and it's not only going to be this thing, it's going to be a lot of things within the genre. Uh, we are talking about J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. Um, <laughs> I knew you'd love that. 
Um, and recently finished rewatching the movies. I remember watching them all. I, I, I don't really go to theaters, even though I live right above one of them. Um, I yes, had stolen no. all of these movies. Please, Peter Jackson, don't sue me. Um, I am just a poor boy <laughs> from a poor family. And um, I watched I watched all of these like on my laptop the first time, you know what I mean, back in the day. And then um, they were so, I think, so much more entertaining than the original trilogy, the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, because that one's very serious. It's very, yeah. it's very long. There are, there are these long-reaching implications for um, the world, you know, Tolkien's Middle Earth. You're talking and, about the Hobbit trilogy right now. Yes, yeah, so I'm actually yeah. talking about the, the Hobbit being a yeah. little bit more exciting. Even though the, the, I think the scope of their adventure is probably a lot smaller than the, mm -hmm. than the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, mm -hmm. the, the implications for an entire race of people, you know, the dwarves, is exactly what's at stake here. Like this dragon yeah. has, has moved in and usurped one of their most profitable, you know, one of their strongholds. He just yeah. showed up and he's in there sleeping. You're not even doing yeah. anything, bro. You know what I mean? And so And it ruined the entire line of Doran because of yeah, this yeah, yeah. Yeah, greedy dragon. He he's a greedy dragon and it's it's Benedict Cumberbatch or whatever his name is. And um, you know, he he's he's doing this voice and he's and, and, and Bilbo Baggins comes in to steal the the Ark and Stone and whatnot and, and the the piece of basically the only piece of uh, of of lore that links these two trilogies together is Bilbo. He is this yeah. really, really pivotal piece. And if you haven't read the books, they don't talk about this in the movies, as much as Bilbo is a pivot, so is Gollum, Smeagol. Uh-huh. Right. Because Smeagol is also a halfling. He's one of the few halflings that has left the Shire and survived. Yeah. And the reason that he's lived so long has been the ring. And it's actually, mm -hmm. it's, it's driven him crazy. He doesn't trust anybody, so he doesn't want to go back to the Shire. Um, you know, and, and what they don't explain, I don't think they explain this in the book either. This is a personal theory. Is that mm -hmm. Bilbo sees that. Bilbo gets mm -hmm. the ring. It almost drives him crazy as well. But he sees that and he's like, I don't want to be that. And he so he does a good job. Gollum. Yeah, he does a good job of hiding the ring, using it only when it's necessary. Right? Yeah. And then ultimately, really having the strength to give it up. You know, mm -hmm. in the in the Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, yeah. The piece the piece that's missing there is that when Smeagol and Diggle originally find the ring, Smeagol kills. I don't think it's his brother. It's just a relative. I think. Uh, but they were very close and so yeah. it wasn't just the ring that drove him crazy um luckily bilbo didn't have that because the entire other side of the baggins family had betrayed him so he in the start of the hobbit he's feeling so alone he's feeling very you know abandoned by the rest of his family they they only want to like come and rob him and so he finds this chosen family in this squad of dwarves that show up to destroy his house you know and, and that, <laughs> That is actually yeah. what, what saves him in the end, is his actual, like, the dwarves, like, the, the, the company of Thor and Oakenshield are the original Fellowship of the Ring, but they don't know it. They don't know. See, it's funny, because I, I like to, 
I like to use the Hobbit versus the Lord of the Rings as a metaphor when it comes to um, accessible adaptations to non-readers. I find that, yeah. like, I love the Lord of the Rings trilogy more than I love the Hobbit trilogy, um, but I appreciate the accessibility in the Hobbit trilogy more than the Lord of the Rings. Because what happened with me was that it took me, I think, seven years to actually get through the Lord of the Rings because oh, I books? hadn't read the books. Oh, I see, I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't, I, I could not understand the movie because yeah. there was so many things that were implied that you would and know about because you read the missing. book. Yeah, it was a lot of yeah. stuff missing. It was lots of assumptions, lots of yeah. assumptions, right? Um, and I found that like something like Harry Potter, for instance, they explain everything that you need to know in the in the movies. So if you've Most read things. the books, Most if you've things. read the books, you have extra details, but like yeah. you you don't get confused watching the movies. No, no. The, you see okay, what I mean? So yes, the original the, the original Lord of the Rings trilogy is is set up in this sort of way in that they've left a lot of stuff of we'll explain this later and then yeah. sometimes they sort of do but that's what tolkien did and so yeah. the changes that, that that has been made to the hobbit because the hobbit movies are like mangled compared to the book the yeah. book is is not the same thing um yeah. now what the, the amazon has decided to go back and do is they're doing uh, a series the rings of power which is based on the timeline of before the hobbit uh sort yeah. of after like in the interim of the silmarillion because the silmarillion nobody can read that shit. nobody yeah. the silmarillion is is you yeah explain it to me you know what i mean like nobody it's really confusing to explain it's, it's, it's it really, really confusing but that's because it doesn't actually like, but there's so a, much a lore it's yeah. that's the thing there's so much lore within the middle earth universe there's so yeah. much backstory history that's referred to um and entire languages developed entire cultures have risen entire and maps everything yeah. it's like yeah, such yeah. a rich rich world um i found that when it came to the hobbit i had something that i really 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 loved was smog like the performance yeah. the animation the animation the animation uh, for that uh, dragon the dragon is, is and insane. all of the all of the gold work that is done it's, in that second movie yeah it's, and do you understand that like we're talking about a movie that was released i'm pretty sure 10 years ago I'm pretty sure it was released um, in like 20, 2013, 2014. Smaug? No. Smaug is because, uh, oh, you're right. It is 2013. Holy shit. All right. I mean, <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is post, um, what's it called? Goblet of Fire and, and, and Order of Phoenix. Yeah, and, but... and this is them playing with all of the mechanics that would eventually become the, uh, the, 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 the Magical Beasts franchise. Yeah. Yeah. And like it's crazy, it's crazy because even for something that was made ten years ago, still if I watch that movie and I compare it to certain like CGI movies that came out today, 
you yeah. still have something like flawless. So yeah. like from a production perspective, even though a lot of people complained from the different creative choices, such as like um, more use of CGI or, you know, the orcs not being, you know, makeups versus, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, lots yeah, of versus, people complained about that versus, stuff. Why are the elves even that. in this story? They don't even show up in this book. Shut up. See, my issue, my only issue that I had with the trilogy was not the different looks and it was not the the use of CGI. My issue was that I don't think that should have been three movies. There should have been two movies and they would have been fantastic movies. I didn't feel, I felt like the Battle of the Five Armies was, yeah. it was 60% about a romance that wasn't no, the, I don't feel like the romance featured that much. No, they <laughs> had to put a romance time in the stream. Like the battle itself <laughs> was 20 percent, sixty percent was the romance, and then you had like twenty percent of continuation from the situation from the previous mob. No, nah, man, I feel like what actually took up Battle of the Five Armies more the romance is it wasn't necessary but i feel like the, the producers felt like they had to put something in there the thing that took up the most of the, the thing that took up the most of the five armies is a lot of the imagery of thorin going crazy right? yeah that's true that's that's, that's a good point you, I, I did I like, like that they, stuff though i did like that. it was so good i feel like they spent an appropriate amount of time doing that because he's so level-headed in the first two movies. yeah that's he's true. so level-headed he's so reasonable he's a little bit obstinate but like it's because he's a dwarf and and they have to be i i feel like though if it were not bilbo um if it were another dwarf who had made the decisions that bilbo did thorin would not have turned in the way that he did okay. at the last moment okay but can we can we talk about the shipping that goes on between Bilbo and uh, Thorin? And Thorin? Um, I, I don't know. It's, it felt light, but it also felt like it could have happened. Like, if it was really, you know, but I, like, the character that Martin Freeman is. <laughs> I know Lord of the Rings itself is, like, a very homoerotic um, <laughs> some of it, Some of it for sure is, I love um, him like a brother but we were not related situation. <laughs> <laughs> also, happy what... pride everybody. Happy pride. Yay! What do you what do you think it would have been like if Philly and Killy met <laughs> Mary and Pippin? <laughs> oh. They're not I to be honest, I don't think they're similar. I don't think they're similar really? at all. No, because it, just because they're brothers and, and they're very close and they have that, you know, that duality, which is uh, is a trope. If you go on tvtropes.com and you look up twins, um, Mary and Pippin are not the same because Mary and Pippin have this more like boyish quality to them. And I feel like that is indicative of the differences between hobbits and dwarves in the first place. We've gone way over five minutes, mm. by the way. But, uh, <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. We're too passionate about this. <laughs> We've thought about this too much. Um, the, the similarities that they are two close brothers who goof around a lot is kind of about it. 
I don't think that they would actually get along that well, to be honest. Like, I feel like, I feel like Philly and Killy, uh, as with all dwarves, have this sort of more important relationship with their lineage and their king and their cultural identity. Whereas the hobbits, um, just like the Harfoots or whatever, they, they like being in their own community, but it's not till death the way that the, yeah. the dwarves do it. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like they would probably throw a really, really good party together. That's oh, for sure, probably. Man. But it, it would be thing. like, yeah, it would definitely be like Merry and Pippin are the ones like, like partying. Yeah. And like Philly and Killy are running the party. And singing yeah. and stuff. <laughs> um, well, I mean, we already but... know. We already know. Uh, Mary is the singer. Is it Mary? Yeah. Yeah. He sings um, that. Before before we conclude the other song, <laughs> I have I have to ask you. Can you quote anything from the movies now that you've seen the whole three? Um. Any quote that stood out in in your memory? Quotes that have stood out. Actually, this is a very fun one. Um, and, and this is for, from Killy, actually, uh-huh. is in, Des- in Desolation of Smog, when they get caught in Florindel, uh, mm-hmm. the, 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 elf, the elf city or whatever, and uh, they take all of their weapons, and uh, Toriel puts Killy in the cage, and he's like, but you didn't search me. There, there could be anything in, my, in these pants. And she's like, or nothing. And he's like, speechless. <laughs> I watched it like twice. That was actually so funny. (laughs) Um, I I was I always quote Smog all the time, and I never considered why until recently. I was talking to this guy, and he was like, "What's your go-to quote from The Hobbit?" And immediately, without blinking twice, I was like, "Revenge, (laughs) revenge! I will show you revenge." Revenge. And then. And then he was like, yeah, and then he was like, okay, but is this a quote from The Hobbit or is this something you would say? And I was like, little column A, little column A. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, I am death. (laughs) I am fire. (laughs) So, um, for the people who just met you with this interview and would like to keep up with you, what would you suggest that they do? Um, if you got Instagram, if you got TikTok, if you got Facebook, go on there and tap in the search bar, Clippy So Funny. You're going to see a few profiles that look like me. I'm the one with all the underscores. You figure that out. Um, follow me on there. I post a lot. I post content regularly. I post all my shows if you want to come watch uh, me live. Also, one of the main things that I like to do is I create uh, events that will feature um, artists of color, uh, queer artists, especially this uh, Pride Month. I've got Heat Wave Comedy tomorrow, which features an all-queer lineup. And then we're going to have Dead with Laugh Comedy, uh, which is a Caribbean showcase. It's a pre-Carabana show. So if you feel like you want to come do some soca things, yeah, so... Uh, we're going to be up in Richmond Hill at the very prestigious Joker's Comedy Club and Theater next to the hotel. Uh, come check us out there. Uh, or you could just stalk me. Just, just, just stalk <laughs> me. You know, and we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. So for everyone listening, don't forget to follow him at CliffySoFunny on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. 
when I recently um, asked him what his handle was and whether I could promote his Twitter, he was like, please, people shouldn't follow me on Twitter. <laughs> Don't follow me on Twitter. No, 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 no. That's, that's private. If you follow me on Twitter, I will assume that you're a pervert. That's the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, thank you so much for coming to this interview, Cliff. We talked about your personal background and how it was like to be a comedian that came from a country with so many languages. We talked about your professional background and everything you've learned from business to comedy here in Toronto. You've given us pointers on how to host a comedy show for anyone starting out. And then we went on for 15 minutes about The Hobbit. How about The Hobbit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Cliff, this was um, a wonder, and I'm very thankful that you did this. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. We'll see you on the next one. For sure. Bye. Bye. And this was the episode. You've made it. You survived my voice this entire time. Wow. Thank you so much for supporting me. If you'd like to stay up to date with my weekly episodes and occasional videos, please follow me on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Laura Faritos. If you'd like to stay up to date with my work besides the show, please go ahead and sign up for my monthly newsletter. There I summarize key takeaways from my episodes, I share links to any other content I produce, and I also include tickets to comedy shows, so that's always nice. Finally, if you'd like to take an extra step and support the making of the show, please consider making a one-time donation, buying my merch, or signing up for my Patreon for just $2 a month. You get all my content ad-free, full-length, and sometimes even the behind-the-scenes process. I'm looking at you, media production students. You like the show? Uh-huh. Do you? Do you? You like the show? Prove it. Give me your money. Pay me cash. Dollars. I want dollars. This has been a public service announcement. See you in the next episode. Ciao, ciao. So for the...